Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome back to episode 58 of Ancient World Podcast. In this episode, we'll make a bigger jump uh, from when they start to slope with the purgatory and until they get to the, the big gate where they start to decline through the seven sins. And this first part from when they're standing at the shore and up to the gate, this part is called the ante purgatory, like the pre-purgatory, and it has two parts the first one is for the excommunicated those who were uh, excluded from the church and the second part is for the late repentant the people who um, in the in the religious sense were late to regret their sins and start atoning for their faults and and starting the process while they were alive so both of these levels, they are uh, standing or held back before they can go through the gate into the purgatory and start the process of, of cleansing their sins. So, um, and a few more words about the whole book, the second book. So we've been through the beginnings when they come out like on the side of the mountain and then they meet Cato and the boatman is coming with the souls and then they're starting the first slope towards the gate. And so the whole mountain is these first two levels, and then you have the seven levels for the seven deadly sins in the Catholic faith. And then on the top, you have the earthly paradise. That's the main structure of the whole book. And then um, some of the, the symbolics of this. In some sense, well, again, the second, second book, the part of, of the whole comedy work, is is the symbol of renewal and rebirth and then improving things having going through all the all the bad parts like the sins and the darkness then here here we're going through how to 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 rebuild your life and how to in some sense um creating a, a new like a spirit and um just it's the book is about the afterlife, but it's also meant to be a help for you, like now, in in your current situation, to uh, to work on yourself and then improve your life and just have a better life and being a good person. And then, uh, in some sense, the mountain is just uh, a symbol of the work that you have to do <laughs> to improve your life. So it's, it's a practical advice as well that th- things can be better, but there is work to do. So the whole mountain is, is, uh, is done. it could be seen as a, as a metaphor for this process. Okay, and then in the third canto here, when he uh, and Dante and Virgil are looking, they're standing before they start the first slope, Dante is describing his experience of this. So he says, I raised my eyes to marvel at the mount, 
that grew out of the sea towards heaven's height. The sun behind us, blazing red with light, outlined my human form upon the ground before me, as my body blocked its rays. I quickly turned around, seized by fear that I had been abandoned, for I saw the ground was dark only in front of me. And then my comfort turned to me and said, Why are you so uneasy? Do you think that I am not here with you, guiding you? So this is Virgil speaking. So the first part is, as a reader, we're reminded of, like he's marveling up at the mount and how big it is. So it's a reminder that it's, this will take, this will be hard work. And then uh, he sees, we're also reminded that Dante is a living person in this world of, of the dead and of the souls. So his body is blocking the race. But it's not for Virgil because Virgil is a dead person. So uh, he doesn't see the the shadow. And then he uh, he's a bit scared, but then Virgil is talking to him. I'm still here. This is a little bit of a... At the end of the second book, Virgil is leaving as a symbol of... So Virgil is uh, representing knowledge and history uh, and reason. And he is the guide in the first part of the whole comedy work. And then gradually Dante is becoming more and more educated in through the reasoning part of, of the world. Like he understands more, he, see, he gets more experience and intellectually he understands more of the world. But then gradually Virgil is, is, um, has done his work through the whole second book and eventually leaves him. So this is one of those first little hints that this will happen later. And then they start on uh, on this first part that's called Antipurgatory. And they meet lots of uh, historical people. And then after those two levels, there is also, as a part of the second level here, is something called the Valley of the Princess. And this is the place for the negligent rulers of the time. So this is the place where Dante is putting many of the contemporaries and many of the historical people that are put there. um, They are seen as they were too busy in their lives with the public duties and under so much pressure. So they are, uh, it's kind of given a little excuse that they were... uh, negligent subjects because of their special duties, which made it difficult for them to think about the welfare of their own souls, is one way of looking at this. So they um, they have to spend some extra time before they can start the process. And then comes the, the part when uh, Dante and Virgil reach the gate, which is one of the highlights of the whole book. And also the... Um, what happens right before is a fun part where they are in this valley of the princes and then suddenly Dante is waking up and then they're already at the gate and he describes this as just as Achilles woke up in a daze glancing around himself with startled eyes not knowing where he was or whence he came when he asleep was taken by his mother, born in her arms from Chiron's care to Skyros, 
from where the Greeks would lure him finally. This is all the reference to to, um, to Homer and to the Iliad and Achilles as the hero of the Iliad, the Greek uh, myth literature is coming back. And then he continues. So I was dazed when sleep had fled my face. I turned the deathly color of a man feeling the freezing grip of fright on, on him. Beside me was my comfort all alone. Now it was day, the sun two hours high, and what I saw before me was the sea. And Virgil continues. You must not be afraid, my leader said. Take heart, for we are well along our way. Do not hold back. Push on with all your strength. You have arrived at purgatory now. You see the ramp, uh, rampart that surrounds it all, and where you see the cleft, that is the gate. So he falls asleep in the Valley of Princes, and he wakes up, and now they're at the point of the gate. And then... Um, and he's a bit confused. And then Virgil explains to him, uh, Before the break of day, while your soul slept within your body, still at rest below, upon the flowers of that painted glen, a lady came. She said, I am Lucia. Come, let me take this man who lies asleep. I wish to speed him on his journey up. This is a... There are many layers to this, but one part is that he has the support from the heavens. It's a reminder that this is a part of his journey is, as we remember from the first book, that it starts with Virgin, Virgin Mary, who sees Dante being lost down on earth. And then she sends some saying, commands and then to Lucia and to Beatrice, she goes down to Limbo and tells Virgil, go up into the dark wood and pick up Dante and take him through this journey so he can finally reach up to the heavens. So this is one uh, reminder of that. And it's also, it creates a, a nice kind of push in the work, in the whole book as a reader. It's like suddenly he just, <laughs> uh, they, they make a jump in the story. And then comes one of the, these big, big scenes in, in this book and the whole, like the whole work. So he sees the gate. I saw a gate. It first appeared to be merely a gap, a break within the wall. And leading up to it, there were three steps, each one a different color, and I saw the silent figure of someone on guard. I slowly raised my eyes. I saw that he was sitting on the highest step, his face too splendid for my eyes. I looked away. And in his hand, he held a naked sword. So dazzling, where the rays reflected thence, each time I tried to look, I could not see. So he's now seeing the, the, the guardian, which is an angel with a sword. And uh, he can't look too, <laughs> too directly at this. This is increasingly becoming a thing, especially in the third book. That is just, everything is too, that's too much light and too intense for him. So the, gar <clears throat> the guardian says, speak up from where you are. What is it that you want? Where is your guide? Beware, you, might, you may regret your coming here. And then they explain that a lady sent from heaven has told me, uh, behold the gate, you must go there. We reached the stepped. White marble was the first and polished to the glaze of a looking glass. I saw myself reflected as I was. 
So the three steps up to the gate of purgatory, meaning like the, the three steps in the process towards self-improvement and uh, a renewal and, and a rebirth. It, the first one is uh, self-examination. So when he sees the white marble where he can see his own reflection, it's a symbol of, of self-reflection that you can kind of see yourself. And then the second one. The second was deeper dark than purse of rough and crumbling, fire-corroded stone with cracks across its surface, length and breadth. So the second, which is the darker one, is the sadness that you have to go through regarding your own sins. And then third one, lying heavy at the top, appeared to be of flaming porphyry, red as blood that spurts out from a vein. Upon this step, the angel of the Lord rested his feet. He sat upon the sill, which seemed to be of adamantine rock. So the third one is the suffering or the atonement or the, the punishment you have to go through as the process of self-improvement and cleansing your sins. So this is also then uh, the heavy one on the top. So you have to self-examine and then you see that you have to go through sorrow and then you go through the real work of, of uh, improvement. Up the three steps, my master guided me, benevolently saying, ask him now in all humility to turn the key. So this is a second very deep and interesting part of, of what happens at this gate. So Dante says, in mercy's name, I beg to be let in. But first of all, three times I smote my breast. Then with his sword, he traced upon my brow the scars of seven peace. Once entered here, be sure to cleanse away these wounds, he said. So a P is from the Italian peccato, which means sin. So he's, he gets seven, seven uh, letters in his, um, uh, on his forehead for each of the seven levels he has to go through. And then comes the keys. So he, the angel is drawing out two keys. One is silver and one is gold. And this has a deep meaning. So uh, first he applied the white one, then the yellow. With that, the gate responded to my wish. He says, one is more precious, but the other one needs wisdom and skill before it will unlock. For it is that one which unties the knot. And this means that the golden one is the power to absolve a person from their sins and to make them uh, a new and cleansed person. So that is the authority and the power is the golden one. But the silver one is to have the ability to do this, which, need, which requires wisdom and skill, which means that to let the person in, you have to see if the person really means this, if the person is sincere and really regrets, uh, regrets their sins. And that is the difficult part. And then the angel says, I hold these keys from Peter, who advised, admit to many rather than to few, if they but cast themselves before your feet. So this is another one of the uh, reminders that he will, uh, in the third book, go into the heavens. So here you have the, the link and the connection to Peter who will let people into the heavens. So, uh, we're going to stop here. Uh, and hope you enjoyed some of this. It's a, it's a 
this said the second book is full of interesting stuff uh, and it's joyful and optimistic and um, I mean, it's kind of the hope is still everywhere in in every canto and uh, you know that people are gonna come to a better place and you have the the sunshine and you have the blue skies and you have all the colors and it's uh this is visually a very very brilliant and, and inspiring experience to read it uh, okay so now we're at the gate of the purgatory and then the next episode we're going to enter into the first level so thank you for listening and uh, i hope you have a great day As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.